3: It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Let's have some fun. And it's going to be a wild night tonight. We got Joe Biden versus DeSantis. The Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, like 30 seconds ago, just announced mandatory vaccines for the military. And you know what that means. I will tell you what that means, the grand skill of what that means coming up tonight. We have Laura Logan coming up about an hour and a half from now. Not just the border, but she's working on something you and I have forgotten about. Islamic terrorism. Radical Islamic terrorism. And she has some news. Oh, and did I mention? I have not one, but two behind-the-scenes, juicy, dirty stories about how politics really works for you, stories you're not going to hear anywhere else. One of them's so bad, I have to change all the names. All that's coming up tonight on the world-famous Chris Jesse Kelly show with me, Jesse the Oracle Kelly. And for you new listeners, in case you're wondering where I got that nickname, I gave it to myself. Don't listen to anybody who says you can't give yourself nicknames. Who knows you better than you? Yeah, you can, Chris. That's why I'm the Shogun. That's why I'm Sombrero Jesse. Speaking of which, when it's, oh yeah, I guess I do know when Cinco de Mayo is. Dang, that's a long ways away. All right, that's another story entirely. I want to talk first and foremost briefly, briefly, because I think the story's been beaten to death, about Cuomo. Because I had a million and one emails yesterday about why don't you think he's gonna resign? He's gonna resign. Jesse Cuomo's gonna resign. <sighs> you wanna have a real story about politics. You wanna know how politics really works, how favors really works, why people in politics do favors for other people, how all this stuff shakes out. Pull up a chair. Let's have a chat. And yes, obviously, we're going to be talking about the eviction moratorium and how we live in a post-law America and the national divorce we need. All that's tonight. But first, tonight, it's story time with Jesse. You know what, Chris? We need some kind of sound thing. What do you radio people call those things? What are they called? Stingers. We need a, is that not what, it's not a stinger? Well, come up with a sound thingy about story time with Jesse. What is your problem? Anyway, make yourself useful, Chris. Allow me to tell you a story. My favorite kind of story. It's a story about me. A long time ago, and you've never heard this story before, a long time ago, I was running for US Congress. Got out of the Marine Corps. You know the story. Got out of the Marine Corps. Never been involved politically was going to community college not to brag but got mad figured out who obama was started doing more reading started getting into politics decided i'm going all in and i know you're going to find this shocking i was considered a little bit far to the right i know it's i know you're going to i know you're blown away by that but i dive all in i'm running as a republican against the Democrat Gabrielle Giffords. But first, I have a primary, only I didn't have a primary. What do I mean by that? The race was not really thought to be winnable when I first jumped in. I was just so mad I didn't care. I I couldn't be talked out of it. You know what you're like when you're young and stupid and just got testosterone pouring out of your veins? Don't tell me what can't be done, you know, that kind of attitude. So I just ran, and I ran like I was going to win anyway. And I was at every event and giving every speech, and I thought I was going to win. And then Obama, of course started screwing everything up and he passed Obamacare. They figured out that Obama, you know, was uh, not going to do well in the midterms. And all these Republicans jump into my primary that I was already in. Now it didn't belong to me. They had every right to jump in. One of them was this fancy state senator. Doesn't matter who he it is. It's just not important to our story. But there's another part to this story. On the state level in Arizona, John McCain. Everyone knows who John McCain is. I don't, have to, I don't have to bore you with the details on that. Well, John McCain got his, I'm not going to say first ever, but considered to be his first real primary challenge during that election cycle. A guy by the name of J.D. Hayworth. I'm pretty sure Hayworth was in Congress. I know he had a radio show, but he could give a good speech. He was far to the right of McCain, which I realize is not difficult, but he was far to the right of McCain. J.D. Hayworth gets in the race. I remember this is young, kind of wild, impulsive Jesse, somebody who doesn't necessarily consider the risk of things before (laughs) before doing them. I, at one tea party rally, because this was the years of the tea party rally, I get up on stage, and I'm speaking to thousands of people, and I get up on stage, and I was doing fire and brimstone. I was ticked off about something. I forget what it was. And it just kind of came out. I endorsed JD Hayworth against John McCain. I mean, one, I'm nobody to introduce, to endorse anyone against anyone, especially at that point in time. No one even knew who I was. That's one. Two, I endorsed the primary opponent of by a mile the most powerful Republican in the state of Arizona. Obviously. My entire campaign staff freak out. They were they, their faces were white. Sheets they were pale when I got off the stage. And it was that look of and some of them flat out said, What did you do? What did you do? You don't have to like McCain. You don't you don't endorse his primary opponent. Do you know how bad we're screwed now? And I, I mean it was all those things. And of course, because I was the same way then than I am now, I'm like, ah, screw him. Screw all you two. I'll be fine. Well, fast forward a little bit. I know you're going to find this shocking, but McCain and all the GOP establishment types chose to endorse the more moderate candidate in the primary, and McCain obviously was not a huge fan of mine after that, but this happened in the race. I beat their guy. I beat the pants off of him. Then the general election came about now to beat their guy to overcome his huge cash advantage and everything else. I did something. I did it on purpose and I did it right. I wouldn't change anything. I ran one, a very lean campaign. That means I didn't have a bunch of hired staffers and fancy consultants. We relied on volunteers and just trying to grind it out. One, two, I saved all of my money to make basically one gigantic television ad buy at the crucial moment. Basically, it was an all or nothing Hail Mary play where I was just going to blitz him on TV and he wasn't going to see it coming, and I did, and crushed him. Now, that worked fine. Got to win the primary to win the general. However, primary election ends. There's Jesse. No money. Not a dime. And I mean, not a dime. The the campaign accounts were basically zeroed out. I couldn't afford to buy new little mailers. You know, those annoying, obnoxious things you get in the mail. Hey, vote for me. My opponent's the Antichrist. That kind of thing. My opponent, Gabrielle Giffords, she had fortunes. Fortunes. She was a fundraising machine. She was popular. And immediately... She starts an advertising campaign against me on television, as she should have done. I hold no animosity against it. It's politics. It's a contact sport. Basically saying, Jesse Kelly's the Antichrist. He's going to kill your grandma. It was extremely effective because I had no ads on TV. None. I couldn't afford any. So she's the only one speaking. I'm not speaking. You know, most people don't show up and hear a speech. They don't follow you on social media. They either watch you uh, during the American Idol television commercials or they don't watch you at all. Is American Idol still playing, Chris? What am I asking you for? Anyway, I don't have any money, and I can't really raise any significant amounts of money. Why? Well, if you're in the bloodthirsty right-wing portion of the Republican Party, and this may be slightly different now, but if you're in the bloodthirsty right-wing portion of the Republican Party, you have a much smaller fundraising pot with which you can grab money out of, okay? Much smaller fundraising pot. I had already tapped all mine. Everyone who could give to me, all the groups, all the individuals who wanted some bloodthirsty right-winger like me, they'd given. They couldn't give anymore. The establishment GOP normally, normally in a situation like this, even though I'm far to the right of them, they would dump a bunch of money on me anyway. It's a winnable race. Let's try to help him out. Uh, But there was a problem there. I'll tell you the rest of the story in just a second. But first and foremost, let me tell you another little story. Husband and wife driving home from dinner, just like you. Stop at a red light, Lord willing, just like you. Boom. Angry mob surrounds their car. I know you've seen plenty of that on TV in the last year. Mob forces open the driver's side door, grabs the husband, starts dragging him out of the car can you even can you even imagine this scene wife screaming to fear husband reaches for his hero 2020 non-lethal weapon pop pop shoots his attacker twice in the chest it unleashes this super powerful chemical irritant it's a pepper irritant it is debilitating it's so bad all the attackers back off couple drives home that night Sleep soundly in their beds, alive and together. Go get one. I have one. Hero2020.com. Use the coupon code KELLY for a special discount. Hero2020 coupon code KELLY.
4: Jesse. Jesse Kelly. Why don't you do your job? Why don't you get this border secure? And until you do that... I don't want to hear a blip about COVID from you. Thank you.
3: Ooh, boy, that was Heavy D. Ron DeSantis in Florida. What, Chris? That's his nickname, okay? Heavy D, bringing it. The man is so clearly running for president, and at this point in time, I am here for it because he appears to be the only Republican in the country that has a good pulse on exactly what the problem is. You know what? I'll get to the eviction moratorium stuff And the vaccine passport stuff and all this stuff in a moment. But remember, it's story time with Jesse. It's story time with Jesse. We get to the general election. I don't have any money. I can't raise any more money. I'm getting murdered on the television set. My own mother is calling me. Do you hear what they're saying about you? It's bad. It's bad. I fly back to Washington, D.C., and I'm just there to raise money. I don't care about endorsements anymore. I don't care about anything. I'm, I'm knocking on every congressman's door, every senator you can imagine. Oh, quick, funny story about that loser, Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake's—I've given people all kinds of behind the baseball stuff, behind the scenes stuff tonight. Jeff Flake. I'm proud to announce that Jeff Flake and I despise each other, and we despised each other a long time before I ever did this for a living. He endorsed my primary opponent, and then I, because again, I didn't really. I didn't know how to control my fire, if you will. So if anybody blasted me, I would blast them publicly. So I went out publicly and called him Amnesty Jeff Flake and all kinds of stuff. (laughs) So I even ended up in Jeff Flake's office. I'm like, hey, can I have any money? And here's what a loser Jeff Flake was. Jeff Flake looks at me. This tells you all you need to know about him. And he says, well, what did John McCain say? What a dork loser. Anyway. I'm back in D.C. I'm trying to raise money. I'm in every conservative group, every congressman's office. Give me some money. I got to run some commercials. I got to win here. I'm striking out. GOP won't support me because I'm too far to the right, especially on immigration. I'm striking out. I got nothing. It's looking like the campaign is over. It's looking like it's going to be the most embarrassing collapse in history from storming to a primary win to getting just boat raced in the general election. And then we get a phone call. Uh, I think it was my campaign manager who got a phone call. Said, uh, hey, John McCain wants to see Jesse. Now, we were all thinking, oh, gosh, here we go. About to go get chewed out in person. And so I just shrugged my shoulders and figured, oh, well, might as well go get it over with. I mean, look, we understand we're not fans of each other here. Might as well just go get it over with. He wants to chew me out. He's John McCain. He's more than welcome to chew me out. Don't bother me. I go sit down with John McCain. He clears everyone out of his office and it ended up being John McCain and I sitting down for an hour, just shooting the breeze about everything. Didn't ask me for any favors. Didn't ask me to take any stances on issues. Didn't. Ask, I mean, he wanted to know about my time in the Marine Corps. By the way, he used to curse like a sailor because he's an old Navy guy. We just, we got along with that old, you know what, you know how military people are. We just, we got along. I understand you hate John McCain and his politics. I'm not pretending otherwise. I'm just explaining this story to you about how power and favors work. We got along. I even watched him spill coffee on himself. He picked up one of those temporary coffee cups with the, the the plastic lids on it, and he goes to take a drink, and the lid wasn't on all the way, and it spills right down the front of him, and he's cussing that too, and I was laughing because I didn't care, right? He decides, okay, this this Kelly kid, and I mean I pretty much was a kid, he said he decides this Kelly kid is a, a, obviously a wild man, and obviously way to the right of me, and not somebody I'm going to be able to control, but I like him. He decided he liked me. Now, I could tell he liked me a lot by the time I left. He called John Kyle, who was the other senator in Arizona at the time, and John Kyle hated my guts because, he, because I apparently, quote, this is according to Kyle, didn't show him the proper respect when we met. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, nothing's really changed. John McCain calls John Kyle up and says, guess who we're supporting? Congratulations. That kind of thing. Well, okay, that was nice. I mean, okay, it's, the, the pat on the back's good, but I'm still pretty much toast here. As a campaign, we had a P.O. box because you can't give out your address. You always got crazies showing up wanting to kill you and stuff like that. Campaign, we had a P.O. box. P.O. box was always empty. I mean, you get some junk mail to it. It was honestly, it was like somebody turned on a water faucet that poured out money. We started showing up at the campaign inbox. We used to check it once a week because there was nothing ever in there. We started having to show up every single day to grab all the checks that were in there. Who were these checks from, you ask? Everybody. From political groups, from individuals I've never met in my life, from people in Arizona, from people outside of Arizona. It was all legal. It was all on the up and up. It was not even hundreds, not thousands, not tens of thousands. With the snap of his fingers, John McCain had the power to unleash hundreds of thousands of dollars on anybody he wanted. Anyone he wanted. Now, again, I'll say this. It's a crummy business, but to his credit, didn't ask me for anything, didn't ask me to take his side, didn't ask me to take a stance on an issue, didn't ask me to shut up about immigration. Maybe he would have, by the way. If I had been elected, maybe he would have. So we end up, because the early voting in Arizona, we end up losing on the early votes, losing badly because she was killing me on TV. Well, then I went up with my ads. We slaughtered her on election day ended up losing by 4,000 votes, but had we been up earlier, we'd have won. Long story. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I'm not mad about it, but what I'm trying to get to is this, the end of this story here. When I tell you guys like Cuomo aren't going to resign, I'm telling you that for this reason. He's 60-some years old. He's the governor of New York. His father was the three-time governor before him. I just told you one story about me in my one run for Congress. Okay, two runs. But in one run for Congress, I told you one story about me. Let me ask you an honest question. And it's one, I'll be honest, I don't like the answer to. Let me ask you a question. What if I had won that race? What if I'd won? I won by 4,000 instead of lost by 4,000. woo hoo That was close. All right, now I'm a congressman. What if after I had won that election and I just told you what happened money wise what if John McCain got in the kind of trouble Andrew Cuomo's in? 11 women have come forward apparently John McCain's fingers are like octopus tentacles. The guy's all over everybody. They call him magic fingers in the Senate House. And this damaging story comes out. What if Somebody had approached me and said, hey, do you condemn John McCain? Will you condemn John McCain? You see what he's done. Did, will you condemn John McCain? Hang on. I'm not done. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Remember, we got Laura Logan coming up about one hour from now. She's been digging into something on radical Islamic terrorism, which we have we've forgotten about, haven't we? I mean, we, we, it's just not in the forefront of our minds anymore. Uh, maybe it should be. Back to my story here real quick before we get to these evictions and all this other stuff. I just told you a story about... John McCain and I. If you missed it, the whole show is available on podcast, iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. If I was asked to condemn him after that, could I? The Cuomo's. Why do I not think Cuomo's going down? I don't think he's going to resign. I don't think he's going to get kicked out of office. I told you about one political run of mine. He's now in his 60s as governor. How many people in positions of power in the state of New York owe him? Owe him the way I owed, owe him in ways way worse than that. How many people owe him? A lot. A lot. I only told you the story because I wanted you to understand that's how power works, that's how political power works. That's how these people are constantly scamming their way out of trouble. And I understand by saying that, I'm practically admitting I would have been part of the problem. And I probably would have been. I don't know. I don't know. But that's why I say that. Now, that was actually all the good news. Oh, I should mention a couple things, a couple housekeeping items real quickly. If you liked that story, you're going to love the next one. Probably about 25 minutes from now, I'm going to tell you a dirty story. A story about some knifing, some political knifing people in the back, torpedoing careers. And it's a true story. And it's so bad, I have to change all the names and locations in the story so you can't figure out what it is. It's bad, and I know it to be true. All right. You have to wait a half hour for that, though. Now, what's the big news of the day today? The big news of the day is this. Joe Biden, he announced eviction moratorium. Now, let's clarify what this is. Eviction moratorium, meaning areas that have high COVID cases Get a 60 day extension where landlords cannot evict tenants for not paying. Understand this because I've been talking to more lawyers than I ever want to talk to in my life for the last 24 hours, trying to get clarification on exactly what this means. This is what this means. One, Joe Biden knows this is illegal. He practically said it behind the podium. I mean, he did say it behind the podium. Well, a bunch of scholars say it's going to get shot down. I mean, there are there are a few who say it's not going to get shot down. I don't know, but it, 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 look, he knows. And wrap your mind around that. Let's let's dwell on that for a moment because we're about to have a difficult national divorce talk tonight on the show. I know you love that. You always do. Dwell on the fact that we have the man who is the president of the United States of America, Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter. That's the commander in chief. That's the man whose chief job it is. Execute the laws. Execute the laws, congressmates. That's Joe Biden's job, right? Wrap your mind around how insane and upside down this world is that the president can not only do something completely unlawful, He can do something completely unlawful, stand up behind the microphone and announce he's doing something unlawful, announce that he knows it's unlawful and that it will get struck down, and yet he does it anyway. Let's be honest. We don't have laws anymore. We don't have a constitution anymore. That is uh, – you and I have become – I'm glad Chris opened up with comfortably numb because from Floyd. We've become numb to how insane this current political environment is. That is bonkers. If at any other point in time in American history I told you we were going to have an American president stand up at the podium and say, wow, well, yeah, I did this, and I know it's illegal. I mean, the Supreme Court's going to shoot it down, obviously. I know it's illegal, but I did it anyway because, well, and he even says, well, I I hope by the time they get there, by the time the case gets to the Supreme Court, the 60 days is up. He even announced, one, he knows it's illegal. Two, he's banking on there being no case left by the time somebody gets around to deciding it's illegal. That's the president. That is... It's a stunning turn of events in this country, the things that have just become normal now. And of course, the media is running cover for him. This is the CNN headline. I love this. Biden shows he's ready to make drastic moves in COVID-19 fight, even if he's not sure they're legal. I'm, I'm sorry, what? Did we just have a media outlet that spent the last four years saying things like, we're speaking truth to power. Reporters are are defending democracy. Did we just have them run out and run cover for the president of the United States of America knowingly violating the law? But it actually gets worse when it comes to this eviction moratorium stuff. It actually gets way worse. The CDC, the Center for Disease Control, They've announced penalties. What kind of penalties you may ask? What kind of penalties? A hundred thousand dollar fines. One year in jail. And in case you're sitting there saying something like, "Well, what? The CDC, I thought that was the Center for Disease Control. They don't have They don't have that kind of authority. I'm glad you brought that up. I asked my lawyer friends that as well. You know what they said? One, yeah, they don't have that kind of authority. Two, they're essentially assuming that kind of authority through some emergency powers they claim they have because we're under a pandemic. Joe Biden He's not even going to face the music for this because the 60 days is going to be up by the, by the time it even gets to the Supreme Court. Now, what does all of this mean? Well, what it means is, one, landlords are about to get absolutely murdered in this country because they've barely gotten by as it is. They've barely gotten by. They're just not making it. They're not making it at all. we've continued to kick the can down the road and kick the can down the road. And what's happened is the large landlords, uh, the mega corporations, you know, they, uh, I own 10 different apartment complexes in eight states, that kind of thing. They're fine. Now they're not great, but they're fine because what happens is when you get that big, you have, you have power, you have loaning power, you have credit lines, you have loaning power. So let's set them aside for a moment. And I'm not anti big business. Good for them. Good. Go make your apartments. The small landlords, they're in deep, deep, deep trouble. Deep trouble. Because there's been eviction moratorium after eviction moratorium after eviction moratorium. Well, if you're a small, mid-sized landlord, you don't have unlimited banking power. You don't have unlimited banking power. You have nothing. You have no one standing behind you. Maybe you'll have a small credit line at a credit union or something like that. But, yeah, it's... It's really bad for them. Now, we're going to play you some audio from Joe Biden. We're going to play you some audio from Jen Psaki. And we're going to talk about why this is getting real bad, real fast, and maybe national divorce time. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly show. And I told you it was going to be a crazy night, didn't I? I told you I was busting out all the stories about 10 minutes from now. You're going to get some juicy dirt, a real story, but you're going to have to hold off on that for just a moment. Now, Joe Biden, this is a little bit long, but I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen to it because this is the president of the United States of America standing up and announcing Yeah, I know it's the law. I don't care that it's the law. And Lord willing, by the time somebody strikes down what I'm about to do, it's too late.
5: I've sought out constitutional scholars to determine what is the best possibility that would come from executive action or the CDC's judgment. What could they do that was most likely to pass muster constitutionally? The bulk of the constitutional scholarship says that it's not likely to pass constitutional muster. Number one. But there are several key scholars who think that it may and it's worth the effort. But...
3: Okay. That's... Um, that's not something you should accept as being normal. I realize presidents flirt with the law all the time. That's not something you should accept as being normal at all. That's a really, 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 really big deal. Now, the reason I say this whole thing is a big deal is not only because of the landlords who are losing everything. It's a really big deal because what what we've done, especially in the past four or five years is we've decided there aren't any rules of any kind anymore. There aren't any laws. There's no constitution. Nothing out. Nothing else matters but power politics. It's all just power politics now. Who Do I have the power to do this? Can I get away with this? If so, how long can I get away with it? If that's what the country's going to be like, then again, like I brought up last night, what it's doing is it's violating the social contract you and I feel like we have with our nation. It's breaching the contract. Wait, you're the nation. I've been a rule follower, kind of. I, I pay my taxes. I, I, I've been I, I've been doing the right things. You're you're supposed to provide me with a set of rules, a fair set of rules that, that there will be you know they'll be applied equally. And I'll have some kind of recourse. If that doesn't anymore, if we're at the place now where the head guy in the country announces he doesn't care that it's unlawful, well, what do I have to care
5: about? I've sought out constitutional scholars to determine what is the best possibility that would come from executive action or the CDC's judgment. What could they do that was most likely to pass muster? constitutionally the bulk of the constitutional scholarship says that it's not likely to pass constitutional muster number one but there are several key scholars who think that it may and it's worth the effort
3: i mean yeah i broke the law and no it's not going to pass but i mean it's worth a shot right why is it worth the shot You're the president. All right, you know what? We need a feel-good story. You want a feel-good story? I saw this. How about this? Dear Dr. Steel Sombrero, I wanted to share a cool story with you that happened because of your Medal of Honor Monday. In June, my family and I traveled to D.C. We visited all the attractions that were open, including Arlington Cemetery. As we walked up towards the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier my nine-year-old son and I fell behind my wife and three daughters. Out of the blue, my son pointed to a headstone that was designated with a Medal of Honor symbol, and he asked, Dad, what's that? To which I replied, it means he did something incredibly brave. Would you like to read his citation? So standing in the rain on some of the country's most hallowed ground, I read the citation of William Gordon Winrich, USMC, with my son by my side. About halfway through, I started to choke up. My son reached over and took the phone. He read the remainder of the citation aloud. I will never forget that moment as long as I live. I never knew these were online before listening to your show a couple months ago. Thank you, sir. (sighs) That's a moment right there, right? That's a moment right there. Um, these moments we have, and I'll get back to all the politics, and don't forget I'm going to give you a dirty, dirty, dirty political story here in about five minutes. And we got Laura Logan coming up in about 35 minutes, giving us the, the skinny on radical Islamic terrorism, Fox Nation's Laura Logan. We have all that. But these little moments with your kids – their moments that stay with them forever too i had i had somebody give me a great piece of advice one time and i don't i don't know that i've done this right i'm sure i've screwed this up as a father but you can attempt to do this right kids don't remember gifts your kids don't remember stuff your kids get gifts from everybody and and a gift is just a thing that they have for a while you know kids they get sick of it in about 15 minutes kids remember Experiences with their mother and father. They remember experiences. So, uh, just a quick side note I thought it was a great email. I'm actually going to read Mr. William Gordon Winrich's Medal of Honor citation for the entire country here in just a couple minutes. But, just a brief side note focus on experiences as much as humanly possible. I do with my kids every chance I get. I'm going dove hunting in a couple months with my kids. Uh, can they shoot very well? No, they suck. I'm trying to teach them better, and we're learning weapons safety better and better, and, 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 you know, all these things. But I guarantee you they're 10 and 12. They will remember. They will remember when they're 40, 50 years old, they will remember dad took them dove hunting. I could ask both of my kids right now, What I got them for Christmas last year. But what, it's August? So what is that Eight months, Chris? Eight months ago. What'd what'd I get you for Christmas? Neither of them would remember. Neither of them would. All right, we're going to honor Mr. William Gordon Winrich. I know it's not a Medal of Honor Monday, and then I have a juicy, dirty, behind-the-scenes political story you've never heard before. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. We got Laura Logan of Fox Nation coming up. 25 minutes for now has some inside scoop stuff for us on Islamic terrorism. I love that stuff. I love that. I mean, I don't. Wait a minute. That didn't come out right. I don't love Islamic terrorism. You understand what I'm saying? I like the inside scoop stuff. And I'm going to give you some juicy dirt here in a moment. And you know what? We're going to go ahead and read that Medal of Honor citation that was just brought up to us. But first, I'm told Mike... In Idaho, I have something to say. Mike, go. Mike, you're killing yourself here. Jesse, go. I'm a
4: fellow anti-communist. Fellow anti-communist and neo-McCarthyist here,
3: so I've been raving against these lockdowns the whole time. I've been with you, but my, my
4: opinion is changing. At this point in time, I am wondering, you know, this is after moving my family from Washington State to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, in order to regroup and make this area redder. I'm kind of changing my mind on the lockdowns. I'm kind of wanting them to happen now. Instead of, you know, wanting to resist them and fight against them, it's like, nope, let's just bring it. Let's bring on the national divorce. Let's have this catastrophe. Let's see if these people can actually wake up and start fighting. Maybe they just haven't felt enough pain. What do you think about that?
3: Uh, I think, one, that's an outstanding phone call. And, two, oh, man, I don't necessarily know that he's wrong. There's, a, there's an old quote. There's an old uh, John Adams quote. He, it's one of my favorite quotes of all times. Uh, I think it's probably applicable here if you're thinking that way. The quote is, I study war and politics so my sons may study math and philosophy. Essentially saying, look, as a father, I want my sons to live through times of peace. So I have to do hard things now so they can live in times of peace. I think about this when I look at my sons. I think about it a lot when I look at my sons. I see the downward trajectory to be kind of this country. And I think to myself, man, I don't want them to live in a world where everything's insane. Does that make sense to you? You're probably going through this too. Everything is insane. It's getting more and more insane. I don't want them to live in that kind of world. I want them to live in a normal world. What if he's right? This is a great phone call. What if he's right? What if the answer is... (coughs) Lock us down. Shoot. Eviction moratoriums to the end of time. You know what? Not just lockdowns. Print more money. Let's just go ahead and collapse the whole daggone thing. The only reason I probably... (sighs) I can't make myself get on board with that the whole way is, man, I don't think any of us, myself included, history books or not, I don't think any of us understand the level of pain that comes when it breaks. Look, the only time anyone in this country has really had glimpses of that were the Civil War. I mean, you're a Civil War buff, or at least you know a little bit of it. That's a terrible time. That's a terrible time. Not just all that death and misery, but death and misery in your backyard. It's different. It's different than Iraq somewhere. It's different. So civil war and maybe to a smaller extent, the great depression. You ever talk to a really old person that lived through the great depression? I have. I know old people who lived through the great depression And this was probably 10 years ago, I would guess, 10, maybe 20 years ago. Gosh, I'm getting old. But last, a little old lady I used to talk to about the Great Depression, she had lived through it. She was in her 90s when I talked to her, and she still kept jarred food in her house. Lots of it. Way extra. A A weird amount, right? You'd walk in her pantry, and it's just a lot of it. And that's what you did. When you went to school during the Great Depression, and this is from a book I read one day. You, little girl goes to school during the Great Depression. Teacher tells her, What's wrong? Little girl says, I'm hungry. Teacher says, Well, why don't you get something to eat when you go home? Little girl turns to her teacher and says, I can't. Today it's my sister's turn to eat. You know, it's easy. It's easy for you and I. It's not a bad call. It's not a bad idea. It's easy for you and I to just want to get the pain over with. Let's just get it done and rip the Band-Aid off. and let, You know what? Screw it. I'm ready. Are you ready? Am I ready? Today it's my sister's turn to eat. Oh, I don't think I'm ready. All right, Chris, that's enough of this. Let's do a rare Medal of Honor reading on a Wednesday. Why not? Why not? As you know, every Monday is Medal of Honor Monday where I read a Medal of Honor citation, but we just got a really awesome email into the show about a guy read this with his son in Arlington. Why not? William Gordon Windrich, United States Marine Corps, Semper Sir, This took place December 1st, 1950 in the Forgotten War, the Korean War. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty as a platoon sergeant of Company I in action against enemy aggressive forces the night of the 1st of December, 1950. Promptly organizing a squad of men when the enemy launched a sudden, vicious counterattack against the forward elements of his company's position, rendering it untenable, Staff Sergeant Windrich, armed with a carbine, spearheaded the assault to the top of the knoll immediately confronting the overwhelming forces and under shattering hostile automatic weapons mortar and grenade fire directed effective fire to hold back the attackers and cover the withdrawal of our troops to command and ground with seven of his men struck down during the furious action and himself wounded in the head by a bursting grenade he made his way to his company's position and, organizing a small group of volunteers, returned with them to evacuate the wounded and, dying from the frozen hillside, staunchly refused medical attention himself. Immediately redeploying the remainder of his troops, Staff Sergeant Windrich placed them on the left flank of the defensive sector before the enemy again attacked in force. Wounded in the leg during the bitter fight that followed, He bravely fought on with his men, shouting words of encouragement and directing their fire until the attack was repelled. Refusing evacuation, although unable to stand, he still continued to direct his platoon and setting up defensive positions until weakened by the bitter cold, excessive loss of life and severe pain. He lapsed into unconsciousness and died. His valiant leadership, fortitude, and courageous fighting spirit against tremendous odds served to inspire others to heroic endeavor in holding the objective and reflect the highest credit upon Staff Sergeant Windrich and the U.S. Naval Service. He gallantly gave his life for his country. Doesn't hurt to read those every now and then, does it? Slap yourself awake. Realize... Great things great men have done, not the scumbags we have out there running this country. Great things great men have done. You know what, Chris? Go ahead and play number four too. We're we're in a bring you back up mood before I tell you the dirty political story. This is Tamira. I'm probably messing that up. Tamira Mensa Stock. She's of Katy, Texas, right here, right down here, close to me, close to Houston. Won herself the gold medal. Listen to this woman praise her country. That American flag around your shoulders looks pretty good. How does that feel to represent your country like this?
6: It feels amazing. I love representing the U.S. I freaking love living there. I love it, and I'm so happy I get to represent U.S.A.
3: And you should see the smile on that woman's face. That's what our athletes used to do, not only on the international stage at home, I know you might not care about sports, but sports matter. They bring a country together. And especially at things like the Olympics, they inspire a feeling of patriotism. Us versus them. America, baby, go get them. And yeah, if it sounds like I'm bitter that our people went over there and took a knee for the flag, I am. I am. I am bitter that we lost sports. I think it sucks. All right. I promised you some dirt. Some political dirt, a story you've never heard before. Are you ready for it? Here's a little tale about how politics work, and I won't give you the reasons why I know these things to be true. You're just going to have to trust me. The things I'm about to tell you are true. Hang on.
4: Feeling a little stocky?
3: Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and yes, we have Laura Logan of Fox Nation coming up 10 minutes from now, giving us the skinny on things. Told you it was going to be a fun show tonight, a wild show. All right. You ready for some political dirt? Here you go. It's a true story. There was a congressman in a state. Because I have to change the names and I have to change the states and everything else in this one, we'll go ahead and call this state Louisiana. By the way, it's not Louisiana, but we're going to call it Louisiana. Congressman's in Louisiana. He is a well-respected congressman. He's a Republican. He's a hard right-wing Republican. And, you know, every state has a bunch of congressmen and then you have two senators. Well, one of the senators who had been a Republican senator in the state of Louisiana, he died. Now, there was another Republican senator in that state, but the the other one died. So, OK, now you got an open Senate spot now. Politicians are just like anyone else. They're ambitious. You always want the next thing. Don't you want to be assistant manager, manager, run your own business? Don't you, don't you want the next thing? That's natural, especially for dudes. Women, too, I'm sure, but for dudes, that's natural. It's good. You want to be ambitious. If you're in the House of Representatives, undoubtedly, almost without question, you want to take the next step and be in the Senate. Why? Why? Well, I asked a buddy this one time, what's the difference between the House and the Senate? Besides the fact the House only has two-year terms and the Senate has six-year terms, he said, well, here's Jesse. This is the best way I can describe it. If you're in the Senate, you don't have to make reservations at any of the steakhouses in town. There's only 100 of them. It's very prestigious. Now, Congress is prestigious too, but Senate's something different. If you're in the House and it's a possibility... You want to be in the Senate. So if you have a senator die, every Republican congressman in that state is going to start doing some polling and figuring out who's who and what's what and should he get there? Well, the, the Republican senator who was still alive in Louisiana, he was a very, very, very powerful man, a very powerful man. The kind of guy who didn't just, he wasn't just a wallflower senator. He swung a big stick, at least in that state. Not so much nationally, but in that state, he swung a big stick. Chris, will you please grow up? He swung a big skit, a big political stick. Anyway, he wanted his own guy. He wanted his own congressman. He had a congressman he'd been grooming for a while, and he wanted him to come be a senator with him. But. There's that congressman I was telling you about before, the one who was widely respected by the far right in the middle alone, just one of those guys, and he had basically announced. It was one of those things he hadn't announced yet, but everybody knew he was going to run for that Senate spot, and he was so well-respected and so well-thought-of, especially by the Republican Party within the state of Louisiana, that he was going to win. Without really much effort either. He announced, it was one of those things, if that guy announces, he's going to be the senator. that It was, it was, it was a foregone conclusion. So who says no to that, right? Who's going to say no to being a senator? It's about one week before he's supposed to make his formal announcement. It's just a foregone conclusion at this point in time, right? And this congressman goes to the podium, makes an announcement. He's not running for Senate anymore. And walks away. Nobody in the world can figure it out. Nobody can figure it out. We're talking about somebody. Nice family. Exemplary reputation. He is. the All the T's are crossed. All the I's are dotted. Again, this is a true story. Names and locations have changed. True story. I know what happened. Because I found out later on exactly what happened. You see about I believe it was about 6 years before all this stuff happened that congressman who was going to walk to the election win, right? He I don't know whether or not he had a bad night, whether this was a normal thing for him. I don't know. He was caught he was caught red-handed enjoying himself with some of the interns in his congressional office. When I say some, I mean more than one. Big deal. Don't, go, don't bother looking it up. You never heard about it. You know why you didn't hear about it? Because in a moment when he was in crisis, he was in severe, severe trouble, he picked up a phone, and who did he call? He called that senator of Louisiana, the one I said swings a big stick, the one who's still living, he called that senator and asked, what can you do for me? Well, senators, especially wired-in senators, can do a lot for you. couple phone calls here, little money here, a little guarantee to get into this college here. And what do you know? All accusations gone, all witnesses taken care of, that congressman walks away from it scot-free. No one ever found out. Until the day, of course, that congressman decided he wanted to do something that senator didn't want done. Remember, that senator had his own guy he wanted in. Why did that guy have a press conference and pull out of the race? Because that senator made a phone call to him and said, You're pulling out of the race. Trust me, it's in your own best interests. Click. Now he's not a United States senator anymore. Now this is a while ago. He wouldn't be probably anyway. That's the dirty game. It's not just the movies. It's not just the sitcoms. That's the dirty game these scumbags play. That's what I've been trying to tell you about Cuomo and and all these scumbags and why they all get off scot-free every single time. There's just this laundry list of bodies buried somewhere, this financial corruption, this infidelity, this thing you did, this thing you didn't do. There's a laundry list of favors owed, favors owed. These people, these people aren't servants to you and I. They're not. They don't consider themselves that. That's probably the real damaging part of where we are as a country. They don't consider themselves to be servants. They do consider themselves to be above you and I. They feel like they're up there playing the game of thrones. And you, you're one of the peasants. Oh, they'll act like they work for the people every now and then. They don't consider you their equal. They certainly don't consider you their boss. They consider you one of the plebs. You're just a, uh, why can't you run back to your shanty? The senators are talking. That's how they feel about themselves. That's how the game actually works. All right. I am going to, against my better judgment, give you another shot at the phones tonight. 877-377-4373. 877-377-4373. Do not bore me. Do not bore the audience. As you have heard, I will just hang up the phone. Don't ask me how I am. Don't say hi. Get in. Make your point, And then turn around and get out. Now, let's talk to Laura Logan about radical Islamic terrorism and the things she's finding out. Fox Nation's Laura Logan comes up. Hang on. Walking
5: through the streets of Soho in the rain.
3: It is the Jesse Kelly Show, Favors and Power. It's all about favors and power. Don't believe me? Chris, I want you to play that clip of the majority whip Clyburn, that idiot Congressman Clyburn from South Carolina. He was asked about Cuomo. I want you to listen to this whole thing, and I want you to pay real close attention to the end.
5: He doesn't resign, uh, Congressman, should he be impeached. I think that the legislature will probably uh, uh, let him know uh, that they're contemplating that. You know, I hate to pile on.
3: He hates to pile on. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't support what he did, but I'm certainly not going to pile on. How many favors are owed? Favors in power. It's what this whole game is all about. Now, in case you're wondering where Laura Logan is, she's always off someplace dangerous. And apparently, right now, she's in some place where the cell phone coverage is not good. So uh, we made the executive decision after we talked to her on the show. Probably best not to have the whole audience hear Laura Logan in a tornado. So now we're just going to go ahead and hold that off. And you get to hear nothing but the sultry sounds of my voice for the whole show. What, Chris? What? All right. Back to this. Ron DeSantis. Let's you and I have a conversation about Ron DeSantis. Chris, I need you to play that cut of a, again of Heavy D. Heavy D telling Biden, because Biden has been, understand this, understand this. We've known for a while, we've known the Biden administration, they have their eye on Ron DeSantis. No, it has nothing to do with, with anything other than politics. They're worried about him for 2024. They should be. As, as it looks right now, the guy is a political dynamo. Looks like he's got the brains. Looks like he's got the guts. So they're eyeing him. They, ha- they came up with a plan, an extremely, extremely stupid plan, but a plan. I got wind of this about a week ago. My buddy uh, Jack Posilbik was talking about it. He said, hey, the Biden's going to come out with a strategy to go after Ron DeSantis. They're going to make him persona non grata. They're going to attack him. And they've been. They've been going after Florida lately. Look at Florida. This is Florida's fault. The pandemic's Florida's fault. Heavy D came out and had this to say.
4: Why don't you do your job? Why don't you get this border secure? And until you do that, I don't want to hear a blip about COVID from you. Thank you.
3: Okay. Genius move by DeSantis. Horrible, horrible unforced error by the Biden administration. What am I talking about? Let's set aside the COVID and border stuff for a moment because, of course, Ron DeSantis is right. Remember this. These immigration numbers we're looking at, I mean, I'm looking at a headline right here. Border officials encountered 21-year record high number of migrants. The border numbers prove the Biden administration does not care about coronavirus at all. That's hard for people to accept. That's hard for people to accept. But understand this: it's never been about coronavirus. It's never been about coronavirus. It's always been about power. It was. It stopped being about coronavirus about fifteen minutes after it got to this. Got to our shores. It's always been about power. These numbers prove to you they're not worried about coronavirus. This is from Steve Scalise. The Biden administration has released seven thousand. COVID positive illegal immigrants just into McAllen, Texas since February. They released 1,500 last week alone. They don't care about Corona. So I'm not talking about coronavirus and I'm not talking about the border. We know all that. You and I, we're talking about the political game tonight. That's the theme of the show, the political game. The political game for the Bidens. Is this for the Biden administration, I should say, because let's be honest, Joe Biden is not sitting down and strategically coming up with anything at this point in time. The political game is who's the next guy we have to watch out for? What can we do about the next guy? They looked, they saw Ron DeSantis, and they thought, ooh, okay, that's the next guy. Then you have to make a decision. What do you do About the next guy. Because it's politics. You have a million different things you can do. One, you can ignore him. We'll come back to that in a moment. Two, if you don't want to ignore him, you want to start landing some body blows on him. You can start, especially as a Democrat, leaking, damaging things. And because we're in a crazy world now, they don't have to be true. Leaking, damaging things to your various media outlets and they'll run hit pieces on him. Or... You can do what the Biden team has chosen to do, and you can start blasting away at him publicly. That was the dumbest thing they could possibly have done. Why? They're making him the de facto nominee. When the Biden administration is out there calling out Florida by name, calling out Ron DeSantis by name, they're telling the entire world, that's the guy we're worried about. And more importantly, they're telling everyone on the right, oh, well, this is the guy Biden hates. Well, clearly that's the guy I love. A huge, huge unforced error by the Biden administration. If their goal was to try to stop Ron DeSantis now before he gets too much momentum, huge unforced error. That's one. Two. Chris and I were talking during the break about heavy D. This is a man who's made all the right moves right now, right? Let's just acknowledge he's made all the right moves right now. This is also a man very clearly running for president. That's not, it's, this is a man running for president. You've been around long enough to know this. This is a man running for president. He's clearly an ambitious person He's clearly taking many of these steps to set himself up better for a presidential run. All those things are true. Okay. All that stuff's true. Should it bother us? It doesn't bother me. Chris decided it doesn't bother him either. Do I care why my guy is doing the right things? Does it matter anymore? Are we are we even close to being in an era where we can consider that to matter? Because I don't consider it to matter. What, Chris? Chris said, I know why he's doing it, and I should care, but I don't. And you're right, I don't. And the weird thing is, now I struggle with this a lot more than you probably do because I, I'm a sociopath. I don't have a moral founding at all. I, I just, I, I, I'm a terrible person. I struggle with doing things sometimes and knowing I should care, but I don't care. Like, I, I, I'll get in myself in situations where the, the wife will say things like, don't you feel things at all? <laughs> I'll be in a situation where I know I should be feeling a human emotion of some kind. I know I should. And I don't, and it's not that it bothers me I don't. I'll just know. I'll be able to take a step back and think, okay, you're probably not doing that great. There are probably some wires not not touching there all the way that should be. Should we care that Ron DeSantis is clearly a man running for president? I say no. I don't. Maybe you do. Let's get to some emails here. Get it together, Chris. Chris. That's all that email said. I happen to agree with him, Chris. What? What? Sorry, we have to read the emails on the air. Remember, if you want to email the show, all your emails go right to Chris. He prints them all off for me. I read every single one. I'm not going to respond to you. I get way too many. Email jesse at jessekellyshow.com. You want to call in, you're welcome to do that too. 877-377-4373. Don't screw it up. If I actually go to you on the phones, as you've heard, I'll ax you in a heartbeat. Don't screw it up. Jesse, just wanted to let you know, great call on Church's Chicken Jalapeno Cheese Bombers. I decided to try them today. One of the true delicacies of a treat in fast food. What, Chris? (laughs) I mean, how can you go wrong when these things must have just come straight out of the fire and you bite into one and the jalapeno cheese Uh, filling torches the back of your throat all the way down and your eyes go into hyper-watering mode and you can't grab the straw fast enough out of the bag to get it into your drink as your throat begins to shut down, leaving you gasping for air. Beautiful. You know what? I don't like that tongue-in-cheek response. Don't rip on the jalapeno cheese bomber because you lacked the discipline to resist. All right. Now, that's enough of that. Let's talk about saving some money and being more purposeful with where with where you and I spend money. My Pillow has been a company. Mike Lindell of My Pillow. Not only does he have an incredible personal story of redemption and tells it all the time about how he str- struggled so much with drugs and then came back, gave his life to Christ. He now has this great company with these amazing products, and he's a patriot a huge corporation making great products, and he's a patriot. And he has this amazing six-piece towel set. It's normally $109.99. It's all made in the U.S.A. It's all USA cotton. Right now, if you go to MyPillow.com and you click on the radio listener specials, use the code JESSE, You can have it for $39.99. Normally $109.99. Now it's $39.99. Go to MyPillow.com, radio listener specials, use the promo code JESSE. Not only do you enjoy great towels, you get to support a company that's out there fighting for you. Hang on.
4: Jesse Kelly returns.
3: Next. it is the jesse kelly show gosh it's a crazy it's a crazy crazy world out there i just saw this from cnn the communists love to do something they love to do something and you have to be aware of it on the right or you'll never be able to take it on you'll never be able to confront it it will work on you endlessly and this is not something unique to america's communists communists have always done this they love, love, love to use your values against you. They love it. Well, that's not the Christian thing. Would Jesus want illegal immigrants out? They love that stuff. They get off on it. And part of the reason they do this is it's effective. How do they do this? Well, the left loves their crisis actors. They'll roll out anyone in everyone who they think has a shield, an appropriate shield, maybe we've talked about the shields people build up, the, the, the whatever victim shield, you can't criticize them. Oh, look at this person. Remember when they brought out the gold star parents, the cons at the Democrat National Convention, their son had died in combat. And then these parents, these supposedly grieving gold star parents got up on stage and were clearly political, just started blasting away at Trump. And then anyone who said anything back, they were like, whoa, those are gold star parents. You can't say that to gold star parents. They're masterful at this. That You saw uh, at that stupid hearing they had with those sham Capitol Police officers fake crying up there. It was the most scared I've ever done. Oh, get serious, you loser. It was worse than Iraq. And then anybody who said anything, myself included, I got blasted by the national media. How could you criticize these lions in uniform? <laughs> they love doing that. And part of the reason they hate me is I do not acknowledge your shield. I don't care what it, I, I don't care what your shield is. I understand your tactics. I understand you're trying to use my values against me. And so therefore I don't let you do it. You could roll out Helen Keller today. A blind, deaf, dumb person. You could roll her out up on stage to clap out some anti-Jesse Kelly message or whatever she did. I would go tear Helen Keller apart on my radio show that night. I do not acknowledge your shield. You can dislike that all you want. You had better get there mentally or they're going to keep getting you. The reason they do it is it works on you. You can't criticize this guy. He's black. What are you, some kind of racist? You can't criticize. A, that's a woman. CNN, of course, the mouthpiece now for the communists in America. They have this new thing. It's way too long. It's like two minutes long. I'm not going to play the whole thing. Don't worry. And yeah, it's closer to three minutes. They have this new thing out now. They have a 12-year-old girl sitting on some, some swing on the porch, of course, wearing a mask talking about a letter and she's worried about her brother why won't you just mandate the vaccines dear superintendent dr green and school board members i would like to encourage the requirement of masks at school in duval county
0: in a letter to school leaders lila hartley explains what worries her she's 12 years old about to be in seventh grade in duval county vaccinated but her little brother 10 year old will is not old enough to get the vaccine I'm so worried that if masks are not required, my brother could go to school one day and the next be dying in the hospital. At school, I wear two masks because I want to make sure I don't get sick.
3: Their father, Matt Harden. Okay, let's clarify something, a couple things here. Remember, I don't acknowledge your shield. I don't have the, the burden of having some kind of moral grounding. One, you're worried about your 10-year-old. You know why you're worried about your 10-year-old? Because you're 12 and you have no idea what you're talking about. That's why you're worried about your 10-year-old. Two, you know why your brother wears two masks at school? Because his dad is a loser. His dad is an uninformed, panicky loser dork who will be not only a loser his entire life, he will virtually ensure that the 10-year-old son will be a panicky loser dork too because that passes down from generation to generation. Instead of being a father looking into things wanting what's best for his kids he's chosen to not only use them as political props he's chosen to allow cnn to use them as political props for his weak pathetic limp-wristed lifestyle that's the truth of it i don't care what a 12 year old girl has to say you know why because she's a 12 year old girl 12 year olds are idiots i wouldn't let my 12 year old make a single decision in fact i like to mess with my kids at the house I'll ask them big things. They'll be like, hey, kids, what do you think about, uh, should we buy Should uh, should we should we buy this car or this car? We have to trade in this car. And then they'll start to offer an opinion. They'll be like, oh, I'm just kidding. You have no say so whatsoever. Go sit down and shut up. Don't let them do that to you. Don't let them do it to you. It's been effective forever because you're a good person. It's not effective on me because I'm a bad person. And you don't want to become like me. You don't. But don't let them use you like that. Oh, a 12 year old girl. Oh, honey, come here. Honey, do you see this? She's worried about her brother. Maybe we should, you know, maybe we should all wear masks in school. I mean, she's, we don't want her worried about her brother. Stop letting them use you. Stop letting them use your good nature against you. You ever know somebody like this in your personal life? I know you have, I certainly have. It's usually a woman because guys are bigger jerks than women most of the time. It's usually a woman, the one who can't say no. No, I'm not talking about Kamala Harris. I mean, can't say no when you're talking about helping people out. Oh, hey, can can you come over and repaint my house? Oh, okay, I'll come over. Oh, good. Now that you're here, I need you to go ahead and walk the dog and make me dinner too. Oh, okay. Well, I want to be a good friend. I, I guess I'll do that too. You ever know somebody like that? Don't be that person politically. Don't allow them to use their shields on you. We've allowed that for far too often. The communist uses your values against you. No more. No more. 877-377-4373. I'll take a couple calls next before we roll on. We have some COVID numbers. They're not
4: good. Hang on.
3: the Jesse Kelly Show final hour. Oh, don't worry. We're not stopping. We're not slowing down. We're we're going full speed ahead. Remember, if you missed any part of the Jesse Kelly Show, you can catch the whole thing on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes on iTunes. This is really, really important. Pay attention. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am. There's like a thousand of them by now. (laughs) Let's get to some emails. Dear most, most ruthless phone screener of all time. I, I have to defend myself here for just a moment. I'm glad you've enjoyed the way we handle calls on the show. You should have anticipated that. Did you really think this show was going to do like every other show? Hey, Mark, how are you? Ah, it's good to see you. Oh, Bob. Okay. Hey, Tim. No, 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 no. You didn't think I was going to do that to you, did you? That's one. Two. I'm not being ruthless just to be ruthless. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I'm being ruthless on your behalf. This is what people don't get. I am thought of of, as being offensive and rude and all these things. I am not offensive and rude, Chris. Okay, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Okay, fair enough. I'm trying to be nice. Sometimes effective looks rude. And we have way, way, way too much nice in this society and not near enough effective. I've used this example before, but it's a perfect example. I want you to picture the person you love the most in your life. Maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your wife, maybe it's a, a son, or daughter, mom, or something. Picture person you love most in your life. And you find out the worst thing you could possibly find out. Uh, they have a brain tumor. They are very, very likely going to die. There is a tiny percent chance they can live through this thing. Only, only the best, most precise surgery will save their lives. Now, I understand some of you have had calls like that and conversations like that. And that, I mean, does it get heavier? Does it get harder? And I want you to imagine you got that call. Do you care if the surgeon you pick? Do you care if he cusses too much? Do you care about his tattoos? Look, let's, okay, let's go further. Do you care if he's ever robbed a bank? Do you care if, what if he's a pig? He slapped his secretary on the rear end. Do you care about anything except for him being the best surgeon in the world? Are you going to be presented with the best surgeon in the world, the only one who can possibly save your loved one and say, ooh, I don't like that tattoo? No, because when it comes to things that really matter to you, that really genuinely matter to you, you care about effective. I have always said this. That's what I care about. I care about effective. My job, I do not have an important job. You probably have an important job. I'm a radio host, okay? I have one duty every day. I'm supposed to sit down here and for three hours make your day better or the 30 minutes or however long you listen. That's my only job. If I'm being a bit short with a caller or hanging up on a caller or or doing the various things I will do with callers, I'm not doing that because I'm mad at the caller. I'm doing it because I owe you that. I have one job. If I can't do that, go find someone else who can. That's why I handle phones the way I handle phones. Now, you don't have to be intimidated to call. You just have to make sure you're ready. Don't say hi to me. Don't tell me you love me. Don't tell me you hate me. Don't ask how I am. When I say go, you make your point. You have millions of people waiting for you to make your point. So get to it or get off the line. Back to the email. Dear most ruthless phone screener of all time. By the way, the number is 877 No one's going to call in now. I realize something that's good and bad, depending on how you look at it. Most of us have never had to kill someone who's trying to kill us. This is something that was the norm for most of human history. I'm 28 years old, 6 feet tall, 215 pound man, so my body count would probably be pretty high if I were, say, a Roman but I'm a modern, non-military American. So I've killed zero. Could you get one of your commando buddies on the show to discuss how to prepare for fights, muggings, home invasions, hostage situations, so on and so forth? You know, that's actually not a terrible idea. That's actually not a terrible idea. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to – I don't know whether or not he's available. I will attempt to call a last-minute audible here for the fellas. And I'll text uh, Air Force PJ BK. I'll text him and see if he can come on in about twenty minutes. If I can't get him, I'll get. I give you my word. I'll get another one of my buddies. I'll get. uh, You know who'd be great at that? Chad Robichaux would be great at that. Chad Robichaux. Remember, we've had him on the show a bunch before. He's my buddy. He was not only a Marine. He was a force recon marine. Okay, so those are that's the Navy SEALs of the Marine Corps. That's the super super tip of the spear, guys. Then he was a UFC champion. (laughs) So maybe Chad would be the one we have to get a hold of. But yeah, of course. I I, you know what? Not that I ever make mistakes, but that probably what Chris that probably is my fault. I should probably do more of that, more basic things, trying to get people ready. I can't get you ready. But I'm blessed to know plenty of guys who can, plenty of guys who can. And we better get ready. Do you see these COVID numbers? Oh, no, I'm not talking about cases. I'm not one of these, I'm not one of these people who thrives on your panic. Do you see these COVID numbers? Do you believe the worst of COVID-19 is behind or ahead of us? That's a poll. The number of Americans who think the worst days of COVID-19 are ahead of us, it's not only 54%. The number is rocketing straight up. Now, what are you seeing there? What does that mean? What are you seeing there? Let me explain what you're seeing there. The system. I've told you before about it. Allow, allow us to have a talk about it again. It's why I discuss it the way I discuss it. Every culture... Every culture, whether it be a tiny tribe or a major nation, every culture has institutions. There's just parts of the culture that the whole culture rests on them. And the media is one of those. Religion is one of those. Sports is one of those. Education is one of those. The government system itself is one of those. Entertainment. These are, these are, Parts of every single culture, every culture has something like this, something like this, some form of those things. When you get in a bad, bad, bad situation is when you get where we are right now in America. And that is, you have one political ideology that controls all of the cultural pillars. One. And ours happens to be really bad because they hate the country itself. Our cultural pillars hate the culture. They hate the country. Now, that's a long way of saying stuff you already know, but here's what you do have to understand about this. Once they controlled all of them, and this is recent, even your parents didn't go through this where the leftists controlled all the cultural pillars. The leftists were always working on it, but they didn't have complete control like they do now. Now we're in a state where they have complete control. If they decided, I've used the example before, if they woke up tomorrow and decided they wanted everyone to believe the sky is green, you can laugh till you're blue in the face or tell me I'm crazy, they would be able to to make that happen for a huge percentage of the population. There'd be media stories about the green sky and movies about the green sky and the president gives speeches about the green sky and your child would learn about the green sky. That's bad. Well, now we're in a situation where they can make people believe... Anything. Absolutely anything. Wrap your mind around the fact that half the country thinks white supremacy is the major issue facing America when white supremacy doesn't even exist here in any organized fashion at all anymore. It just doesn't. Now, what does that mean for our future? Well, it means something gigantic. I think the country is going to get divorced. What do I mean by that? I will explain that to you in just a moment. But first... As long as we're talking about collapse, let's talk about the dollar. Let's talk about the inflation numbers. I'm looking at a headline right here about voters worried about inflation, inflation, inflation crushing voters, inflation this. That problem's not getting better unless you think this administration's getting ready to tighten down the money. Get some gold from Oxford gold. And I don't mean get a piece of paper saying you own some. I mean real gold gold. Delivered to your doorstep, real gold in your safe, having real solid value that is not subject to the whims of the printing presses or the politicians. That's what Oxford Gold Group does for you. Call 833 995 Gold. That's 833 995 Gold. You don't have to do anything crazy. They have promised they will take care of my listeners. Tell them Jesse told you to call, get some gold, get yourself protected. 833-995-GOLD. Oxford Gold Group. For gold, you can hold. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Yes, I'm going to get to a couple phone calls in just a second. I just want to tell you. The majority of the population believes, according to a new poll, the worst days of COVID-19 are ahead of us. That's, of course, ridiculous. We're a country that now is well-equipped to deal with coronavirus infections. Deaths are not up. Everything's fine. It's a seasonal virus. It's going to be coming back. The reason I say the country is pulling apart is this. Wrap your mind around this. Half the country thinks like this everyone's going to die, wear a mask, we have to get a vaccine. If you don't get vaccinated, you want my grandma to die. Ah. The other half of the country, they're not living like this anymore. If we're going to continue to ramp up the panic so badly on the left, every season coronavirus comes back around, people are simply going to leave and the country's going to get a divorce. What I mean by that is, You think states like New York and California are losing people now? Wait till these mask mandates come back for school again this year. many cases, they already are. Parents aren't putting up with it. The country's going to pull apart. The blue areas are going to get bluer. The red areas are going to get redder. And I don't know why people think that's so crazy when I talk about that. Understand this. Nations breaking up. Is not abnormal. It's the whole history of the world. Go look at a map of uh, Europe in the year zero. Now look at one in the year 500. Look at one in the year 1000. Noticing any differences? The world changes. The world knows. All right. This is against my better judgment. Against my better judgment. I am once again going to take a phone call or two. As you know, don't screw this up. Do not screw this up. Rich, go. Word
0: of the day, offensive. Be offensive. Get offensive. Go on the offense. Boycott things. Boycott stuff like corporate media. Target. Dick. PayPal, many others. People should start a hit list.
3: I like it. I like it. Yeah, I cut him off. That's fine. I think we all got the general gist, but you're right. Be more purposeful. More purposeful. And I, I can't I can't explain this enough. I'm more guilty of this than you are. I'm trying every day to get better and better to make sure I'm not patronizing this business that hates us and this business that hates us. And I'm getting better. It's hard because the whole daggone place hates us, right? The whole place hates us. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Joaquin, go. I don't have high hopes.
4: All right, Jesse, listen, you know what? January 6th, I'm getting really, again, disgusted with the conservatives, how they fall down and lie down in contrition, prostate in front of the left in regards to January 6th, when we don't even know exactly what happened. They uh, take it on the chin like like we're guilty of something, and Donald Trump was guilty of nothing. And that was the day that they were going to contest the election. And there were congressmen who actually did that, and there were supposed to be senators that were going to support them, but somehow they chickened out.
3: Great phone call and great point. The right, here's, I want you to understand something about the right. One, like I explained earlier in the show, the communists are great at using the values of the right against them, and it's very effective against the right. One of the best examples of this I've pointed out to you before is in the wake of St. George Floyd dying, the right, instead of standing firm and saying, well, we're not going to yank cops out of these poor black communities, that's going to kill black people. What are you talking about? Cops aren't the problem. The cops aren't racist. What? Instead, the right did what? Uh, uh, well we, uh, uh, where's Tim Scott? We need, we need police reform. Yes, the right does that. They allow the communists to use their values against them. That's one. And two, this really applies to January 6th. And I mean really applies to January 6th because the things that have been done to those people are unconscionable. We still have people locked up in solitary confinement for twenty-three hours a day for wandering into the Capitol. It's insane. And yet immediately that day, I remember it like it was yesterday, and most days since then, you will still get, especially the DC area Republicans, you will get them saying things like, Look, it was a dark day. It was it was basically an insurrection. I was there and I feared for my life. It was so loud. People were screaming. One, there are two there are two things, two parts to this. One. And I, as I've I've explained my own problems with this to you before. One. I put too much pressure on pundits and politicians on the right. Not because I think I'm wrong and they're right. I put too much pressure on them because People who talk on the radio for a living, talk on TV for a living, write for a living, run for office for a living. These are not warriors. Almost, almost university. Now, there are obviously some some great exceptions in there. These are dorks. These are the guys who, who wrote for the high school newspaper. And there's nothing wrong with writing for the high school newspaper. If you do, that's fine. I'm, 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 I'm honest. You know, I'd be, I wouldn't worry about being offensive. That's not a bad thing. But that's a different mentality than a warrior. I am constantly screaming about these losers and weenies we have on the right because I want them to stand and be bold and fight against the tide. But I'm asking too much. I'm taking some lifelong dork and I'm asking him to be a lion when he's not a lion. He's a lamb. That's one. Two. Part of the reason I encourage people all the time to balkanize, if you can, and I I realize many people can't, but if you can, with your job and your family situation, if you can, pack up and leave. Part of the reason is, yes, I want the red areas fortified. I want you here. I want you fortifying here from the communist hordes. That's part of it. A second part of it is your environment does affect you. The things your eyes see and your ears consume... It does affect you. I watched it. I lived in D.C. for a year, and I would marvel at the friends I had, and, and they would, we would go out in, in a social setting. Maybe you're going out to dinner or, or, or some drinks at a bar or something like that on a Friday night, and they would get out. Around, because D.C., I think it's 92% Democrat, Chris, is that right? It's something absurd like that. It's in the, it's in the 90s. I know that. I know it's in the 90s. Ninety seven percent. Oh, gosh. Ninety seven percent Democrat. And I would watch friends of mine and we would go out because I was new there. And of course, you get in with a bunch of people your age group and you're just you know, having a beer and talking about life. And inevitably, most of the people around us would be Democrats. Friends of mine, I mean, people you would think would be bloodthirsty right wingers would get in a casual conversation and, and essentially say things to the effect of, "Wow, well, no, I don't. I don't think government should be too small. I'm not one of those Republicans. Well, no, I I'm a Republican, but I'm not. I'm not pro-life. I'm not one of those. I just, or they'd say this. I love this. This was the all-time one. Oh, I just like to. I'm fiscally conservative. Oh, I don't focus on those those icky cultural things. I'm one of the good ones. I'm still welcome at your table, right? There's a powerful human emotion. Uh, one of the most powerful human emotions out there. you want to know what it is? I'll tell you in a second It is the Jesse Kelly show I'll get to uh, a couple phone calls a couple more emails in just a second did you did you hear Chris? We're all gonna die. Delta infections among the vaccinated, likely contagious. Now we have a Lambda variant. There's a new variant. We've already moved past Delta. Delta was here for 15 minutes. There's a new variant. Maybe that vaccine won't work. We're going to need booster shots. Haven't you heard? There's Pfizer stock on the line. All right. What is the most powerful human emotion? Why do people in D.C. go? Why do they go and lose all their principles? Why do we have a bunch of weenies fighting for us? People don't want to feel alone. There was a study done a long time ago. I don't remember where I, where I saw it or where I read it. That kids who are abused by their fathers are better off statistically than kids whose fathers abandon them. Now, obviously, don't you ever abuse your kids, you scumbag. Don't abuse your kids. But the feeling of abandonment, of being left alone, of being alone, it is the most powerful human emotion. When we used to dig in a defensive perimeter in the Marine Corps, you would dig a fighting hole. And that's essentially you dig a hole straight down. The dirt basically goes up to your chest. I'm not going to bore you with the details. It's so you can stand in the hole and basically live in the hole and you can aim your weapon out. And you have fields of fire and all these things. But we built them as pairs. You had a buddy. You had a, you had a buddy was with you at all times. Doesn't make any sense if you're just looking at things black and white. It would be much more advantageous. You'd have much more flexibility to have one man holes. But there's the psychological factor. When the beep hits the fan and the commie Chinese hordes are coming over with bayonets to kill you all. The one thing they couldn't risk, they've learned this over time, is feeling alone. We're surrounded. We're led by weenies on our side because they go to D.C. and they feel alone. I'm here. I'm i am the only one who thinks like this. I can't, oh man, I can't be too hard on immigration. Otherwise, I'll be all by myself. That's what I've been telling you about about getting involved in primaries. It's why I've had a couple people on who are running in primaries against rhinos. because we need to have a lot bigger caucus as a party. It's a big caucus measuring contest. It is. We need to have a huge caucus there of of people who think like you and I think. We can't have a bunch of weenies and three people who think like you and I think. Otherwise, those people feel alone. We must increase the size of the caucus so they don't feel like they're on an island all alone. Otherwise, we're probably asking too much of them. And remember, most of them are lifelong dorks anyway. I did. I love this quote from Biden. Did you hear what Biden said about the bribery and the virus and the vaccine and all that? Listen to Bud.
5: I've sought out constitutional scholars
3: to determine what is the best possibility. Chris, that's not the right cut. I'm talking about the vaccine, not the constitutional one. I'm, you know, if we're a very professional show around here. Play, could you play the right one, please? And already Minnesota
5: and New Mexico have done that. And North Carolina announced its 100day his $100 incentive today
3: Why do you need to get paid for a vaccine you're scared of? Well, I mean, I guess I should say, why do you need to get paid to take a vaccine? for a virus that's that deadly. Maybe it's not that deadly. Maybe people aren't scared of it. Maybe people shouldn't be. If you have to pay someone to get vaccinated, maybe the virus isn't the problem. I brought it up yesterday. The Black Plague, you know, when half of Europe was dying. Do you think you would have had to pay people to get a Black Plague vaccine? Or do you think they would have been quite literally killing each other for the chance to be first in line to get the Black Plague vaccine? If you have to bribe people for it, maybe it's not that big of a deal. Dear Jesse, you handsome commie hating. Oh, I can't say that word. I have a wood shop about 200 feet from my house. Last night, I was making a Marine Corps gun box, of all things, while listening to you on iHeart. I was laughing so hard at you hanging up on some of the trash collars that I woke my wife up in the house. <laughs> she asked if I had hurt myself. All I kept thinking of is how you reminded me of the soup Nazi from Seinfeld. No call for you. He said, I'm welcome to use his name. He said, P.S., I'm a rush, baby. My son hears me listening to you. So perhaps he will be a Jesse baby. His name is Roger. Oh, that's pretty stinking cool. All right, let's give him a shot. Ryan, don't screw this up.
0: What about the police officer that supposedly reported he committed suicide? What if it wasn't suicide by him and made it look like a suicide? What if he's being blackmailed and he couldn't live with himself and he committed suicide because he had to give false statement about the uh, January 6th? Uh questioned everything.
3: You know what's crazy? It's crazy about this? One, good job. Getting right to the point. Good job. Good call. That's how it's done. Get in, get out. I'm sure I was the naive one, but even four or five years ago, I didn't have a radio show then. I was selling RVs, but let's assume I had a big radio show four or five years ago, and I took a call like that with my belief system where it was then, and I took a call like that with some guys saying, look... That's a suicide. Maybe it was blackmail. Maybe it wasn't suicide. I would have laughed him off the line and hung up the phone and said, get your tinfoil hat, you loser. Now? Is it that unplausible? No, no. I'm not trying to be wingnut guy, and I don't know, and I don't think we'll ever know. By my count, that's four. Four Capitol Police officers who were part of a slightly spicy protest have committed suicide? I'm not going to go out on some limb here and make some claim. I'm not. But is there something in the water back there? Uh, I've known plenty of men who've been through combat. And, yeah, I've known plenty who have struggled in different ways. As you know, I've, I've openly admitted to you, I struggled a lot when I got back, especially with alcohol. I'm probably still struggling with but to be honest, I've struggled. With, I'll be honest with you. I don't know even one close personal friend who saw real combat who committed suicide. I know veterans do, but I don't know one who did it. You expect me to believe four Capitol police officers chucked some tear gas and got in a couple shoving matches and killed themselves because of it? We're not talking about one here. We're talking about four. Four of them. Very weird. Very, very weird. Jesse, warrior poet, knower of, knower of menus, conqueror of dimes. <laughs> what, Chris? Oh, anyway. My question is, what if you were Donald Trump last summer? The unwashed commie hordes were wrecking America's streets. The Bolshevik mayors and governors were giving you the finger. Would you have nationalized the state's National Guard and ordered them to clear the streets? If you did, would the military comply? Would this have caused the civil war? So on and so forth. I feel different. I don't know how to answer this for this reason. I thought to myself and still think Trump handled that thing absolutely terribly. What do I mean by that? I mean... Donald Trump wouldn't even use the name Black Lives Matter for two or three months into those cities burning. He and every other Republican were, well, it's Antifa. It's Antifa. Black Lives Matter was leading those riots. That was a Black Lives Matter thing. But because he has a bunch of people, or had a bunch of people in his ears say, Oh, we 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 can't offend Black people, he chose not to call a spade a spade. It was Black Lives Matter leading those things and Antifa together. That's one. Two. No, I don't think he could use the military. You can't use the military on American soil and the national guard. It's actually under the authority of governors, not the president. I don't know that there's anything he could have done rather than simply be more vocal about what the problem was. All right. We have headlines. I didn't get to, and oh, dang it. There's a lot of them. I got distracted today. Hang on. Truth. Attitude. Jesse Kelly. Jesse Kelly's show final segment. Tomorrow is what, Thursday? I lose track of the time. Look, when you're above everyone else like me. What, Chris? You lose track of time up here. All right. One more. One more. Headlines I didn't get to. And then I I think it's time to start talking about the history podcast, Chris. Don't you? The history podcast that has been recorded for days. No, Chris tells me. By tomorrow morning, the History Podcast will be available to you. It is done. It is on the Titanic. It's good. You're going to enjoy it. Buckle up for that one. You'll find it. Do we have the separate History Podcast feed yet, Chris? We don't have it. You know what? I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to lose it. I can feel the blood pressure. I can feel it rising. You'll find it in the normal podcast feed on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. I'm very, very calm. (laughs) All right. Time for headlines I didn't get to. Voters. Voters' inflation worries emerge as economic weak spot for Biden. Okay. What are you going to do about it? I mean, look, I I, I don't want to sound cynical. I'm not trying to be cynical. People are only now getting worried. You're only now getting worried that gas is more money and groceries are more And I understand you being worried. You should be worried, but how'd you think this was going to turn out? Did you think Joe Biden was going to get in there and tighten the belt? Really? Policetribune.com. Sheriff orders employees to work from home due to dangers created by Seattle homeless camp next door. This is the exact state of where we are in this country. We have cops who are now forced to work from home instead of given the freedom to go clean up the homeless camp, round everybody up, get rid of them. Apparently there was a woman who uh, uh, they tried to assault her in terrible ways in the courthouse, in the bathroom of the courthouse. A homeless dude comes wandering in and does this and the solution uh, everyone just work from home from now on till we clean. The, that is the absolute state of Seattle right now, which is a crying shame. Everyone loves to dump on the Northwest and it, look, they have, they, they earned it at this point. Seattle is an awesome city. Could be an awesome city. Portland, dude, Portland is the bomb. Uh, my sister went to law school. Look, okay. I'm the dumb one in the family. All right. My sister went to law school up close to Portland. And so I had to fly in there one time to go up and see her flying into Portland is gorgeous. You fly in over the Columbia river and it just, back then it was before it had turned into a gigantic blob of Antifa and hippies. It was a pretty stinking cool place. The Pacific Northwest is a really cool place. I have no idea where I was going with that. Just know it's a cool place. TexasTribune.org, two house Democrats who broke quorum missing from Washington, DC reportedly vacationing in Portugal. Yeah, that's true. Remember the Texas Democrats who took off on the great escape, the brave escape, and now they're in Portugal? One, who goes to Portugal? Portugal hasn't been relevant in like 500 years. One. Two, all I care about is are they going to be properly punished by Greg Abbott when they return to Texas? Because remember, they didn't violate some rules. They didn't violate some norms. They broke the law. They should have handcuffs placed on them. The second they return to the state, are we going to do the Republican thing and try to be better than that? No tit for tat here. Or are we going to actually develop some teeth? Headline "Obama, Obama reportedly scales back the 60th birthday party due to Delta surge. This is from the New York post. Okay. Let's not be ridiculous. Remember Obama was planning like that six, six, seven hundred person party. He's not scaling back the birthday party due to the Delta surge. He's scaling back the birthday party because he got caught planning a huge birthday party. The Obamas aren't worried about coronavirus either. None of these guys are. That's why he was planning it to begin with. Headline, Timbo the Redneck, popular TikTok star, reportedly dead at 18. You know you're getting old. When you can read entire headlines about people and things, and none of it makes any sense to you at all. I didn't know Timbo the redneck was a thing. I didn't know there were TikTok stars. Chris, do people make money on on TikTok? That's that Chinese video thing, right? Yeah, it's Chinese spyware. I'm not getting that thing. Anyway, apparently he flipped his truck. This was the part of it that stood out to me. The truck was called, he was doing donuts in his front yard and his truck was called Big Booty Judy and it flipped him and ejected him and landed on top of him. And obviously we're not going to laugh about that. That's extremely sad. 18 year old kid. I will simply say this fellas, as somebody who did lots and lots of things, that could have gotten himself killed and only by the grace of God, am I still sitting here talking to you fellas? You are old enough when you hit that age, 12, 13, 14 and up. You're old enough to get things that can get you killed. Do the best you can to rein in a little bit of that testosterone and keep yourself alive. I'm not saying be a, be a weenie who hides at home under the bed. but Fellas, be careful out there. You're, you are big enough to get yourself killed. Headline, Free Beacon, infrastructure bill would require alcohol monitors for all new cars. Well, there's no way that's going to pass. Otherwise, how's Congress going to get to work? Headline, New York Post, Barbie debuts doll in the likeness of British COVID-19 vaccine developer. Good grief. This whole thing has become a cult. This COVID nineteen thing has become a cult. I can't get over that thing. Uh, I played for you earlier on the show. We may play it again tomorrow with the twelve year old girl. I wear a I wear a mask, and I want I want there to be mask requirements because my ten year old brother. I I want him to be okay. And she's on video sitting around a table playing board games with her family, and they're all masked up sitting at home together. <laughs> Gosh, we have we have severely twisted up the mental health of this nation. All right, keep your chin up. There are more of you than there are of them. All right? That's all.
0: I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C.,
2: And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin.
1: And I'm David Gura. Listen to the big take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: From LinkedIn News, I'm
6: Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered.